Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media, we are coming to you from the Vivid Seat Studio. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. As the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I think we all got a little bit of a chuckle Wednesday morning when news of Keenan Allen's, you know, he tried to throw some shade toward Chris Harris Jr. We're talking about a wide receiver. First of all, let me tell you the quote. He was He was asked about the prospect that, Coming out of that week five game, hey, Chris Harris shut you down. What do you think about that? He said, quote, now, y'all know damn well that boy can't hold my jock strap. Stop it. Close quote. And uh, that kind of went viral for us on on uh, Wednesday. Zach, your thoughts on Keenan Allen's four-catch 18-yard performance? <laughs> Chad, repeat that one more time for our listeners. How many catches, how many yards? Four catches, six targets, 18 yards. I mean, enough said. Why is he opening his mouth after a loss at home to a, a quote-unquote bad Broncos team? Chris Harris held his jockstrap, he wore his jockstrap, and he paraded around in his jockstrap on the field. Now, you and I, Chad, haven't been the biggest Chris Harris Jr. fans this season, but he did a damn good job against one of the best receivers in the NFL, and that best receiver in the NFL, one of them, has no room to talk. Uh, insert foot for that one. Yeah, it was definitely, I think anyway, Harris's best performance of the game or of, of the season. And even though he didn't shadow Allen the entire time, he did for much of that game, or at least when the Broncos were not in zone and they were covering man, you know, they tried to scheme toward him and put Harris on that side of the field. And he played really, really well. A couple of lapses, but that interception that Justin Simmons got that broke the ice finally for the Broncos on takeaways, that was a high throw by Phillip Rivers under duress. He was being pressured, if I'm not mistaken, Von Miller on that snap. And it was a little bit high. But Chris Harris was right there to kind of help break it up and ensure that it went right off the hands of the receiver and into the 
to the arms of Justin Simmons. So great game. And by the way, let's look at the trophy case between these two players. I mean, Keenan Allen, he's been to two Pro Bowls. He's been a part of two playoff berths. He's got two postseason wins. You know, he's got about 5,600 career yards, 31 touchdowns. Meanwhile, Chris Harris, he's been in the league two years longer, four Pro Bowls, three All-Pro nods, one of which was first team, a world championship. I don't know why Allen chooses to throw as much shade as he does at Chris Harris, because even last year there was some jibber-jabber between the two of them, and he even said that the Broncos sucked after the Broncos went into Rocket Stadium and beat the Chargers again, or also last year, but just mystifying – I don't. I don't get it. That's kind of his personality, and it's it's disappointing because I like him so much as a player. He's a really good wide receiver, but he just seems to have those aha moments to himself where he thinks he got an opponent by opening his mouth. After a loss, you have no room to talk. You might think you're a better player. You might think you're a better team, but you have to respect the game and respect the process and respect the fact that uh, your opponent got the better of you. I don't. Um, I don't know why he said it, but that's kind of just what we've come to know from Keenan Allen. And uh, I know December 1st, the rematch in Denver, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, he just has to live with looking like an ass, talking <laughs> right. talking smack when you have four catches for 18 yards. Yeah. I mean, go ha- go hang your hat on that, my dog. Anyway, we got a great show planned for you. I mean, the Chargers, at least in the short term, they're in the rear view. Right now, we got to focus ahead on the next opponent, and that is the Tennessee Titans, and we have a great guest, Mr. David Beauclair, that we're going to bring onto the show here in just a few minutes. First, a couple of quick matters of business. As always, a reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, leave your creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing, if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating. That does two things. One, it helps the show out tremendously. Two, it enters you into the giveaway that we do each and every month. Randomly selected reviewer gets some Huddle Up podcast, Mile High Huddle swag. So go take care of that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. A phenomenal win for the Denver Broncos on Sunday, beating the Chargers in L.A. for the second year in a row. Phenomenal. And they also covered. 
You guys, if you've missed out on any of the fun, there is still plenty of time left for you to get in on the action with my bookie. Of course, we got the Broncos Titans this week, but how about an in-game wager or some player props? Do you still think the AFC West might be in play with the Chiefs losing and the Raiders winning and the Chargers losing and the Broncos winning? You guys, go get great odds on that too. That just scratches the surface though. I mean, we have teamed up with my bookie this October to give you this great offer. Here it is. Ready? Sign up at mybookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users, you get your first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Zach, before we welcome on our guest, Mr. David Beauclair, let's just touch on really quick the practice report from Wednesday, first practice in preparation for the Titans. Only one Bronco did not participate that uh, is not – I mean, obviously we know that Devontae Bosby placed on IR. He's basically done for the season. And by the way, he went 30 minutes with not being able to move his body. So crazy. Um, Anyway, bummer for him, by the way. Let's talk about that just real quick. Bummer for Bosby because this is a guy who scratches and claws his way back into the NFL, gets a a shot in Denver, works his way up the depth chart, gets kind of the luck of the draw that one of the starting – cornerbacks not only is injured in Bryce Callahan, but the guy they initially tap to to place in Callahan's place, Ike Yadam, struggles. And so suddenly Devontae Bosby, starting as about week three, is starting to see significant reps, significant snaps on defense, starts a couple of games. So it's looking like his stars is trending in the right direction. You know, the football gods have opened the way. And then this friendly fire from Alexander Johnson, just a bummer situation for him. It is. And let me just say that I'm happy that he, you know, his physical well-being, his health is first, the football is second. So I'm happy he's okay. He's not permanently paralyzed or suffered permanent damage. But I feel bad, not only because of what you touched on, Chad, but he jumped right from the AAF into the Broncos. He had no real offseason. He went from one league to another. And even Fangio talked about this that this offseason, uh, that he has to keep up his conditioning. I think he exceeded expectations greatly. He was one of the Broncos' better corners. And like you said, uh, a star certainly rising in the secondary, much better than Isaac Adam, uh, much more consistent. He fit this scheme better. It totally sucks for him, totally sucks for the Broncos defense. I am just personally happy for him, though, that it's not uh, a worse condition. So let's take a look at, and by the way, to basically replace that cornerback slot, they went out and signed Cody Sensabaugh. Former uh, Titan. Former Titan, yeah, by the way. But he's been on the street. Also, his, his most recent stop is he did two years with the Steelers. And yet he's been on the street all offseason, basically, um, well, maybe not all off season. I'll have to double check that. But at least since the season started, he's lasted almost halfway through the year before he finally got a, a sniff and the Broncos signed him. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. Vic Fangio, as of Wednesday, himself wasn't quite sure. He had to, This was basically a front office decision to sign him, not a Fangio decision. But they clearly think that he can fit in well with Fangio's scheme. So we'll see. But let's get back to the practice report here. Zach, Bryce Callahan did, does not practice a court. Uh, of course, he's still recovering from that foot procedure. I guess it was a surgery technically. He's probably another couple of weeks. Meanwhile, the key injuries to note here, Jawan James, who started practicing again as a limited participant last week. He's limited again. Josie Jewell with his hamstring limited. Mike Purcell popped up on the injury report with a knee limited. Cortland Sutton and Sanders both on there limited. I don't think any of those three, there's anything to be concerned about. They're just taking it easy, probably woke up with some soreness following the game, and so the team's just playing it safe. But 
Vic Fangio, Zach, he wouldn't comment one way or another on whether Juwan James, Josie Jewell were going to be good to go this coming week against the Titans. You know, this would be a good week, though, with how badly Eli Wilkinson has struggled for the Broncos to finally get back their $51 million right tackle. Yeah, he's the most important one to me among the injured list. They have to get back to their edge protector there and provide some stability for that right side. Uh, in terms of Callahan, though, can we say that the Bears did not get enough credit at this point for letting him walk? A real ascending player, a star slot corner, and they saw enough from his injury to know that it was going to keep him out for a while. And that's why he lasted until the second wave of free agency. And I start to wonder, Chad, as we talked about off air, is it going to be a season-ending injury? Is this a season-ending situation for Bryce Callahan? He's not seen to be improving. He's getting close, and then he'll suffer a setback. It's week six now. I mean, this is not the start of the season. The Romans at the halfway point, and they haven't gotten their big $21 million investment back. Um, I just I can't believe it's lasted this long. I just uh, I commend the Bears for having that sort of foresight. And I kind of ding the Broncos for investing that heavily in a player while holding up Chris Harris Jr., who's injured and was injured, I think, more seriously than they initially let on. Yeah, it wouldn't even be a done for the season. It would be done before the season ever. St- I mean, he hasn't even stepped right. on the field of play yet. He hasn't even suited up in a uniform on a field for the Broncos outside of that one scrimmage, which is where he got his foot stepped on and aggravated this thing all over again. Uh, during training camp at the stadium. So, yeah, definitely disappointing. No new information, though, yet on Callahan. So we're just going to have to put a pin in that. But Juwan James, man, the Broncos need this guy back because, I mean, Wilkinson, he's been admirable, I guess you could say. I mean, in relief of James, the Broncos clearly didn't expect to have to rely on him so much and so quickly out of the gates. But he's the biggest liability because Bowles, since week two, I mean, he hasn't been perfect, don't get me wrong, and he definitely hasn't been as good as Pro Football Focus has him ranked as a pass protector since week two. Bowles is the fourth best graded tackle in pass protection per PFF. He hasn't been that good, but somewhere in the middle, you know? So in the case of Garrett Bowles, he's been okay. The weakness, though, Zach, it's on the other side. It's Wilkinson. Teams are continuously exploiting that. And Joe Flacco, you, you hit on this a lot. He's the quintessential pocket statue. Pocket presence, as we've seen for the Broncos, has been uh, Helen Kellerish at times. I mean, this is a guy that you wonder what's going on there. And I think it's even impacting the type of plays Rich Scangarello is willing to call. This is something the building the Broncos guys touched on on Wednesday about, you know, the, the five-step drops and the seven-step drops. And those are the type of plays that you need to have in the repertoire in order to set up those deep shots downfield, buying, you know, those longer developing pass plays. Well, right now the Broncos, they're kind of sensitive to that because they don't want their quarterback getting sacked, stripped, and fumbled. It's a great point, and I think Scangarello is calling more quick-step drop passes, five, three-step drop passes for Flacco because of that. And here's how I view Wilkinson. He's another Billy Turner to me. A great, great backup to have. A good pinch starter, maybe, but not a full-time guy, not a full-time starter. And that's what he is. And if you get James back and you kick Wilkinson back to the bench, you're upgrading that spot because you, you can move him to guard if someone struggles there. You can move McGovern over. You can have more flexibility, more options by having Wilkinson on the bench and not in the start lineup absolutely James's absence is hurting the Broncos the most on offense and they need him back more than Callahan more than Josie Jewell he is the most important piece among those injured players outside of James again you got well if you add it up I guess you've got one two three four five six players six starters that are on the injury report as limited participants Kareem Jackson nothing to worry about there that hamstring that kept him out of the previous game against the Jaguars 
which, by the way, I think that's a game the Broncos win if Kareem Jackson is on the field. But Josie Jewell, hamstring. Ron Leary is a is not injury-related. He gets a rest day every Wednesday. Mike Purcell, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton. None of those situations. I mean, you want to monitor them, but it's nothing to really write home about or be concerned about, especially where they're participating limited to start the practice week. So, Zach, let's take our only break of the day. When we come back, we'll introduce our listeners to Mr. David Beauclair of Titan Maven. You guys, hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, and joining us now is none other than David Beauclair. He's been covering the Tennessee Titans for a couple of decades now, and he is the publisher of the Titan Maven site for SI. David, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, man? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you guys? We're hanging in there. We're, we're uh, still kind of you know living off the juice of that first victory that the Broncos got this past week after eight consecutive losses dating back to week 14. So, you know, we, we've been worse. Well, that's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, at least, uh, I guess if nothing else, you guys enjoyed some consistency through the, uh, the first couple weeks. The, uh, the, the Titans fans are suffering whiplash right now from trying to figure out, you know, just looking up at how well this team has played one week and, and then down how poorly they played the next. It's, uh, uh, it, it, it's, been a, it, it's been remarkable swings in the results around here. So let's talk about the Titans. As you said, they're kind of a – and I think actually, even though the records aren't exactly matching and lining up, the Broncos and the Titans are similar teams in many ways. And one of those is that it's kind of hard to get your finger on the, on the pulse of exactly what these teams are. And the Titans are right now sitting at 2-3. and three. What do you think has been the biggest obstacle or the biggest thing that's held them back you know, through this first quarter of the season or so? Uh, there's no question that the, uh, the the pass protection has been a, a big big problem, and you know it, it certainly didn't help that left tackle Taylor Lewan was suspended for the first four games, and that uh, Nate Davis, uh, uh, their third round draft pick, 
a guy they they expected to start probably at right guard for in the season opener. He got hurt in training camp and uh, and and didn't make his NFL debut until week four. But you know, Marcus Mariota has been sacked 22 times already in the in the first five games. You compare that to just uh, just two years ago when he set his career high for pass attempts in a season. He was only sacked 27 times that whole season. So, you know, I mean, Mariota's not exactly a statue back there. He's, uh, you know, he's an elusive guy. He he certainly can avoid the rush, but uh, the rush has been so consistent and so sustained that uh, he just, he can't get away often enough. Now, you talked about kind of you gave the state of the Titans Union just now. I'm looking back on their week five game. You lose 14-7 at home to the Bills. You lose to a quarterback in Josh Allen, only uh, threw for 219 yards. Would you say that was kind of a, an outlier, or would you say that was kind of the norm or what you're expecting going forward from this offense? Do you think Mariota can pick it up, or do you think this is a, a, a problem that's going to rear its head again uh, against the Broncos? Well, they, no, there, there, there should be more for this offense, but uh, uh, you know, you, you look at Week One against Cleveland when they scored 43 points, and that included a defensive touchdown in that game. But they really they, they took advantage of turnovers in that game and turned turnovers into points. And they've, you know, that's another thing they have not done well since then. And uh, um, you know, there's there's you look at a, you look at a guy like Corey Davis, the the wide receiver who was the fifth overall pick in the draft two years ago, and you know he he's their he's their third leading receiver right now with 13 catches, a little over 200 yards, and and one touchdown. And you go, okay, those you know those aren't great, but they you know but they're not terrible numbers either. But uh, you know it, it, through five games last year, Corey Davis had almost double those numbers. In fact, he had more than double those catches and or exactly double those catches and, and almost double the yards. And, and everybody was expecting a real big jump from him in his third year. And it hasn't happened. And, uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, this, this wide receiver group, you've got him, you've got AJ Brown, who was a second round pick this year. You've got, uh, Adam Humphreys, who was a high-profile free agent they signed to, to give them a presence in the slot. Of course, Delaney Walker's been a, a, a real productive tight end for a number of years. And and uh, and the, the, the party line, I guess you will, is that uh, – you know the receiving crew is is going to look different every week, sort of based on matchups and 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 kind of who's going hot, whatever. So you know there's not really a number one receiver. But the more I watch it, the more I'm starting to think it's more like the you know what people say about the quarterback. If you have two number one quarterbacks, you don't have any, and uh, it, it sort of feels that was that way here. That you know, well, yeah, any any one of these guys can have a good game, but none of them is the guy that you say, okay, it's third and 12. They've got to find a way to get the ball to this guy because he'll make something happen. There, there's nobody who's, who's sort of delivering consistently in those moments right now. You know, David, from the outside looking in, I think kind of the national perspective on Marcus Mariota is despite his, you know, his high draft pedigree, former Heisman Trophy winner that He's kind of been a failure to launch type of quarterback in his brief career with the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, they bring in Ryan Tannehill and and it kind of seems to be, at least from the outside looking in, a sort of indictment on Mariota. Now, maybe that's reading too much into it. Maybe the team simply views Tannehill as backup material only, but they're approaching some decisions here quite soon with Mariota. 
What do you think has been the biggest thing holding him back from kind of hitting that stride everyone expected him to when he was, what was he, the number two overall pick in the draft a few years back? Yeah, in, in 2015, and uh, and you're right. You know, he's playing his fifth year option this year, and that's what uh, you know. He's got 60 starts under his belt at, at this point. And he, he's an interesting. He's a really interesting case in that, you know, I can't recall. And, and as you've said, you know, I've covered the NFL for more than two decades now, and I can't recall anybody at any position, particularly a quarterback, whose whose college reputation has lingered the way his has, you know, four years as a starting quarterback in the NFL, you would think, uh, you would think anybody would say, okay, well, this is what Marcus Mariota is, but, but people still look at him as that guy at Oregon that, you know, who was so dynamic as a playmaker and, and who won the Heisman trophy and all those things. And, and, and people still think, you know, that that can come out at him in some point. Uh, you know what? In terms of your question, Chad, I, I think uh, I think what's held him back is uh, the, the way I characterize it is that Marcus is a really accurate passer until he's not. And what I mean by that is when he misses, he doesn't miss by a little bit. When you know when he misses. His receivers don't have a chance to help him out and make a play for him. He throws it way over their head, or he throws it straight into the ground, or he throws it straight to a defensive player. And, and too often, you know, that will happen on a third and six at, at a critical moment in the game. He, he's got a guy open at eight yards, and he just plain misses him. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there's, as I say, there's no chance for the receiver to make the play. But, he, you know, he's, he's completed over 63% of his passes for his career, which is, you know, which is a good number. And, and he, uh, you know, his, his career passer rating is a little over 90. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's the degree that he misses when he misses it. it it's just, it, it's just baffling, quite honestly, because, uh, because there's, so many other times that he he can put the ball where it needs to be and and gives guys a chance to run after catch and and those sorts of things and and uh, you know no one's been able to figure it out different he you know he's had different coordinators and different coordinators have had theories about his footwork or his uh, his shoulder position or you know those sorts of things and uh, right. and and whatever they've worked on it's the results have kind of been remarkably consistent. Now, touching on Mariota, I've heard some loose rumblings that another clunker the Titans would consider going to Ryan Tannehill. Do you think that's a possibility if Denver gets a big lead on the Titans uh, you know, at home in a big game with the, the crowd in full throat? What would it take in this game for the Titans to pull Mariota and put Tannehill in? Yeah, it, it would take it, it would take a, a truly terrible performance. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's. There's a lot of people have speculated that, and, and and certainly a lot of national media who haven't been around day to day. But uh, General Manager John Robinson, Coach Mike Vrabel, said from the day that they traded for Ryan Tannehill that he was coming to be their backup, and and nothing that has happened throughout the off season, throughout training camp, throughout preseason, throughout the the, the regular season to this point has indicated anything different. I mean, it's it's not like I mean even in even in May and June, it's not like Tannehill and Mariota were sp- splitting time with the first team offense, and and you know you were getting the the standard line that well you know if, if Tannehill has to go in there, he has to be ready to play with these guys. I mean, Marcus Mariota has gotten 
all the work with the first team offense, all off season, all training camp, and and so on. And I think uh, I think it's I think it's really important to Mike Rabel as a head coach that that you know what he says to guys he follows through on. And so clearly he has told Marcus Mariota that, you know, you're our number one quarterback. The reason Ryan Tannehill is here uh, is quite simple. You go back to week 17 last year when the, uh, when the Titans played the Colts in a winner is in playoff game, Mariota was hurt and Blaine Gabbert had to quarterback the Titans and, uh, and Titans were never really in that game. And, you know, Mariota is a guy who has yet to play 16 games in a season in his career. So I think the, the feeling was more that, uh, that, you know, Mario is likely to get hurt at some point, and when he does, we want a quarterback in here who can win us a game or two, uh, particularly if it's uh, if the season is on the line at that point. So, uh, I, I think I think that's the biggest thing. That being said, I do think if Mario gets hurt to where he misses several weeks and Tannehill plays well enough. Then I think then I, I think there could be a situation where they don't go back to Mariota yeah. um, when he gets healthy again. But uh, but at this point, Tannehill is nowhere near getting the ball. David, I wanted to ask you about uh, Derrick Henry because you know the Denver Broncos. Well, let me put it this way: since the 2018 season began, there have been four uh, 200-yard individual rushers in the NFL. The Broncos have allowed three of those individual rushers. And the other one, Henry. So, of course, that 200-yard rushing performance I'm talking about from Derrick Henry didn't come against the Broncos, but it's an inauspicious kind of uh, connecting of the of the dots, so to speak. How are you feeling about this Titans rushing attack, knowing that Mariota's kind of been pressing a little bit, the pass rush, or I should say the pass protection hasn't been holding up. Even with Luan back, things appear possibly to be trend, or they could be trending up in that department. Sounds like the tip of the spear really needs to be that rushing attack. You look at them on the surface, though, the Titans, from a rushing perspective, they're kind of middle of the pack. They're currently ranked 16th in the league, averaging just over 115 yards per game, and uh, Henry has 388 yards rushing. So how are you feeling about that rushing attack going against a Broncos defense right now who's given up, well, about 126 rush yards per game? Yeah, the uh, the rushing attack has been pretty good, and and the thing that people are excited about around here is that for the first time in his career, you know, Derrick Henry is clearly the number one back. I mean, he's carried uh, forty seven times in the last two games. He's had at least fifteen carries in every game. Um, but but the you know where where the running attack has been at its best this year is. Uh, is when the Titans have had leads in the fourth quarter or even late in the third and they and they want to run clock you know particularly Atlanta in in week 4 uh, Titans ran the ball almost the entire second half and and it got to a point where you know one sequence the uh, the Falcons had like nine guys down in the box and uh, and and Derrick Henry picked up 6 yards on consecutive first down runs you know it, it, and they just kept the chains moving so i, I you know there people feel like and, and i think i think when i say people i think even in the Titans dressing room that that Derrick Henry has another you know is working towards a, another big game you know not not 17 carries for 238 yards like he did last year against Jacksonville in the game you referenced, which of course included the the 99 yard touchdown run where he broke a bunch of tackles. But uh, 
but uh, you know the the feeling is that uh, that Henry is you know he, he at any time could could sort of really get cranking here. The the the, the issue with Derrick Henry is he's not. He, when when a play is not blocked particularly well, he's not a back who can make something out of that. You'll you'll see him for a guy his size and and his strength. He actually actually has a lot of one two yard losses, no gains, that sort of thing. It's but uh, but he can be a real home run hitter when things get blocked up right. I'm gonna put my Broncos fan hat on for one second and just say that I don't think the Titans from a Broncos fans perspective are a really well-known opponent even though they're in the AFC now going into this game what would you say is one thing that would be leading to a Titans victory and one thing that would lead to a Titans loss in Denver like what's the the biggest weakness going into this game and their biggest strength yeah, the uh, the secondary is uh, is absolutely the strength of this team. They Titans have three really good cornerbacks. They have two rock solid safeties, and then two young safeties um, in Dane Crookshank, a 2018 draft pick, and Amani Hooker, a 2019 draft pick, who they uh, you know they use in in special situations, and uh, uh, you know though that that whole group, with the exception of Hooker, has been together for two years, you know, this is their second year now and, and their second year under defensive coordinator, Dean Pease. And they, they, they really have a lot of confidence and they, and you'll see them, you'll see them communicating like crazy pre-snap and guys moving all over the place. And, uh, um, you know, Logan Ryan is a cornerback who will blitz from the slot. He's got, he's got two and a half sacks already this year. And it's, uh, you know, that, that, that is a unit that can make, quarterbacks and and wide receivers look pretty ordinary in this league and uh um you know for when when you're looking at, at a Broncos team with you know Manuel Sanders is hurting Cortland Sutton is hurting Joe Flacco hasn't been exactly what everybody hoped he would be to this point I, I would think that unit is uh is salivating and can't wait for Sunday at this point um in terms of in terms of why the Titans won't win this game. I think. I think the biggest thing is you go back to the uh, you go back to the the pass protection, and certainly you know the Broncos were the last team in the league to get a quarterback sack this year. But uh, but I don't think there's any question that uh, that Von Miller is scaring the bejesus out of everybody in that in that team facility right now, and they're trying to figure out how to how to keep him off of. Uh, got to keep him off of Marcus Mariota. And that's like, that's the one thing that's the one thing you've seen too, is that it, it, it teams, teams who have gotten to Mariota consistently have, have exploited a singular weakness somewhere like Jacksonville, Calais Campbell had three sacks Sunday against Buffalo, Jordan Phillips, a guy who had six and a half sacks for his career had three sacks. Uh, you know, so, you know, teams have found something that they can continue to take advantage of. And, uh, uh specifically it, it, it's been uh, left guard Roger Saffold, uh, their their highest price free agent of the off season, who is, who has really, really struggled in pass protection. Well, Broncos fans can relate to that because just two years ago they spent a ton of money on Ronald Leary, and he's arguably been the biggest weakness on the Broncos O-line this year anyway. But, David, one more question for you, and then we'll cut you loose again. We really appreciate you joining the show. How do you see this one unfolding? I mean, what's what's your prediction? You know, the Broncos, <laughs> slight favorites at home. But this really, let's face it, this is, this is a coin flip type of game. It's a go-with-your-gut type of prediction here. There's not a whole lot of compelling data to point to one team or the other. 
And as you answer that, I'm also curious, the Titans only have one giveaway all year. Who fumbled the ball? Uh, it was it was Adoree Jackson, uh, their uh, third year cornerback slash punt returner, and it was uh, it was early in the Thursday night game against Jacksonville. Jacksonville recovered it and scored a touchdown. Uh, one or two plays later, that was the first point of that game, and uh, and took momentum. You know, Jaguars took momentum and and pretty much never gave it back that uh, that night. So that. Uh, uh, you know that that's the last time a Dory Jackson has returned punts. Adam Humphreys has been back there since, and uh, uh, the big thing is they just want him to to catch the ball, and uh, and he's done that. But but you, you you say that they've they've only turned it over once. They they have fumbled a fair amount, and you know Marcus Mariota, for example, has fumbled three times, and uh, and Mike Vrabel talked about it at length last week going into the uh, the Buffalo game that you know he feels like they've gotten really lucky that balls have bounced back them that yeah. balls have bounced out of bounds and they you know that they uh they, they've dodged a few bullets that way so they're they're very much on edge about uh about fumbling the football i i, I you know chad a prediction is i, I it, my gut tells me the titans will win but uh and i and i kind of feel like it you know it, it's going to be a little higher scoring game than most people think. I, you know, I'm I'm sort of thinking a a, a 31-28 kind of game, um, but uh, but playing in Denver is 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 such a challenge for so many teams, and uh, uh, you know that environment is is always is always interesting and, and exciting, and uh, so I I I I'm a little leery to to go with to stick with my prediction, but. As you said, it, it, it is kind of a, a gut feel, and, and that's kind of what I think is what I think is going to happen in this game. So I'll, I'll say that I'll say Titans thirty-one twenty-eight. Okay, fair enough. He is David Beauclair. He covers the Tennessee Titans for Sports Illustrated and the Maven. Go check out his work at si.com/nfl/titans. He does phenomenal work. Longtime credential journalist covering that team. And check him out also on Twitter. It is at Beauclair Sports. David, thank you for joining us, my friend. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you on down the road. That sounds great, boys. Anytime. You guys have a good weekend. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. 
Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In store or online at mattressfirm.com today. All right, Zach, great conversation with Mr. Beauclair there. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll wait till, till Friday for the Mile High Roundtable to reveal our official predictions for this game, even though both of us, we're both 0-5 now. It's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> Crazy. And last year, by the way, for what it's worth, you guys, Zach and I, we were both plus 500 in the Broncos pick'em last year. So this is an aberration, and I think it's a pretty good indication that this is a very volatile team yep. that you just don't know what to expect on a week-in, a week-out basis. But, Zach, how do you see, based on what we're hearing from Beauclair uh, on Mariota, on Derrick Henry, you talked a lot about the defensive side of things, how are you feeling about this game coming up? Chad, you put it perfectly when you said the Broncos are volatile right now because you can't predict one way or the other. And we like to think we have a decent pulse of the team. And for us to be 0-5, that screams that. It's more to it than just you know picking win or loss. This game is also a true coin flip. I, I lean one way, then I lean another. It's one of those games where they can hold Mariota to like 100 yards or Mariota can go off for like 400 yards. Derrick Henry can pop off at any time. That defense is pretty active. They have some playmakers uh, in the front seven. It, it's, it's tough for me to, to nail down a prediction of score right now. I just know that if the Broncos play a, com- a complete full 60 minutes of football and they are the, the Broncos of last week and not the Broncos of the first four weeks, they should beat the Titans at home. I am not too worried about Mariota. He's not that far away from being benched for Ryan Tannehill. That's not a great situation to be in. If the Broncos just play to their level, if the defense uh, just gets to the quarterback, stays in their lanes, if the offense can score points, I have pretty high confidence in the Broncos for this game for whatever that means. I'm just really curious to see. Last thing I want to touch on, then we'll get out of here for today because we're kind of going long here. But I'm just really curious to see how much that win uh, can kind of be the wind in their sails, how how high it can lift this team after the depths in the, of the doldrums of 0-4, right? I'm just, you know, Joe Flacco talked about this after the game. I think we touched on that on, on the Aftermath podcast on Tuesday. But, the, you know, the, the, the team, they're riding high on the wind. The belief is coming back. The confidence is coming back. I'm curious to see how they can harness that and use it to their advantage. Now, Tennessee, they're no joke. This is not a team, despite being 2-3, and three, the Broncos can overlook. I mean, think back to that 2016 game. Zach and I were just talking about this off-air, but when the Denver Broncos' defense was still elite, we were talking about T.J. Ward still on the roster, DeMarcus Ware still on the roster, and the Broncos went into Tennessee and lost to a second-year Marcus Mariota, and of course that was a game Paxton Lynch started, but nevertheless, I still have, I still think that was a team that, you know, even though you had a rookie starting for you in Paxton Lynch, who was clearly in over his head, I think the Broncos slept on their opponent, and I worry about that happening again, although just two weeks removed from getting trucked by the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe the Broncos are wide awake now on all opponents. Yeah, that's a really good point, and we've seen how the Broncos responded to a loss, and now I, I'm with you. I want to see how they respond to a win. But if Vic Fangio is smart, he would teach this team to have um, sudden and convenient amnesia and forget about that game and treat every week, every opponent like a new season, a new game, uh, a, a new level of responsibility and pressure. They have to treat this Titans game like they're all 0-0 zero and zero right now. It's all an even keel thing. Don't get too high. Don't get too, too low. And if they can just maintain that balance and that discipline and apply that to the field, you will see a team that starts 
coming together more, coalescing more, and I think that'll come out against the Titans. If this game was on the road in Tennessee, I would struggle with it a little more with Mariota and Derrick Henry, but I think at home, coming off a big win on the road, you're starting to see this team feel itself just a little more and have a little more confidence. They should be able to take care of business in this game. And not only that, Zach, but some of the issues that were plaguing the team defensively, we're scratching our heads, what the heck is going on with this defense? The personnel changes and the availability of Kareem Jackson changes the game. I mean, having uh, Mike Purcell at the nose guard position and being able to kick Shelby Harris out to defensive end. I mean, and then, of course, Alexander Johnson there. It looked like a completely different defense, and that was even without Bradley Chubb. So I'm really curious to see how much of last week they can, you know, push forward into not only week six, but the games ahead because after week six – It's a short week against the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football. So the next two games, man, this is, I think, Zach, this is really the turning point if the Broncos are going to, you know, have any hope of turning this season around. These next two games, this this has to be where they do it. I think if the, the Broncos know if they win the next two games, if they beat the Titans, then beat the Chiefs, and then get back on a winning streak, and then go into the second half of the season with momentum, uh, they'll like their chances as a, a quote-unquote win-now team for 2019. I just don't want the Broncos overlooking the Titans to get to the Chiefs, knowing that fact. And if they could just avoid that and, and treat this Titans team, like you said, Chad, a pretty good team, they, they should be able to take care of business. But should always applies here. It's a true coin flip, uh, this game more than others. Of course, the worst-case scenario is they beat the Titans, they beat the Chiefs, they're riding high, right? Everyone's going, yeah, and the, and the Broncos go, you know, let's just keep all Drew Locke on ice as for his rookie season. Mm. They come back out, they play the Colts, and then they go into their bye, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I could have that a little bit off, but either way, go into their bye, and they come out of it, and we don't get to see Drew Locke. They finish sub-500. It's literally, and in every shape, way possible form whatever a wasted season that's my that's my worst nightmare and then not only that if they finish let's say seven and seven and nine eight and eight if they finish they're not going to get a high draft pick so they won't see drew lock they won't make the playoffs and they won't get a high draft pick that is the true doomsday scenario as far as i'm concerned however if the broncos did go eight and eight that would mean that they went 12 and four in the final three quarters of the season and so that would have some momentum for old fangio heading into his second year and but I think it would be enough to color the view of John Elway in that front office of, okay, we got to hang our hat one more year on Flacco and see how this thing goes, and we'd just be right back into the same old cycle of treading water, not mm-hmm. moving forward, and uh, hopefully that's not how it shakes out. But we're kind of running along here, guys, so we're going to cut this thing short, and uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Find Zach on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. We will be back tomorrow for the live version of the Mile High Mailbag simulcast on YouTube at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday night. Our podcast listeners, of course, on Apple Podcasts, if you don't show up or if you don't want to attend the live on YouTube at 6 on Thursday night, that's cool. You'll get it in your feed on Friday as a, as a podcast episode. But if you want to participate live in the show, get your questions into Zach and I in real time, make sure you subscribe to Mile High Huddle on YouTube. And then you'll be ready to go at 6 o'clock. You'll see Zach and I, and uh, we'll, we'll get down to it. So until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Talk to you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.